Welcome to Real Life at the Ridge, the preaching ministry of Chestnut Ridge Church. Tomorrow, I'll um, celebrate uh, 49 years, uh, my 49th birthday. And uh, yeah, but you know, the <laughs> reason I say that, the reason I say that is when I was 28 years old, August 1999, my life started anew. I ain't got over it. He took my sins and my sorrows. He made them his very own. In the next service, we'll be baptizing two folks. And then and on the 30th, we'll be baptizing two more folks. And I was just, I, I seen a church, my, the first church I actually ever served at on staff there was a picture of some folks from back home that had gotten married and they were doing all their pitch showing all their pictures in the church and the thing that marked the, the most for me was how I grew up in that church my grandmother drugged me there for 14 nearly 15 years my dad would uh I don't know if he wanted me to go all the time with him sometimes, but she went to church, and she made sure I went to church with her. And I remember at age, I, I think probably around nine years old, somewhere in that neighborhood, nine, ten years old, um, I seen all these kids and other people going down front. And my grandmother, she was crying and just so excited. I wanted to make grandma happy. So I went down. I'm sure that the preacher prayed a prayer with me and I'm, I know that a couple weeks later or somewhere in that neighborhood, it wasn't long and I was baptized there in that building. And, but nothing changed. Some things may have changed for a few weeks or whatever, but I don't even really remember that. When I met Christy, I was uh, 20 years old. And I was purposely living for myself. As a matter of fact, that's how I met her, was that I was, um, I had in my mind, uh, it was a, a distance to drive from where I lived to where I partied. So I'm not, you know, the smartest egg in the basket, but 
got a little sense. I totaled a brand new vehicle and coming back about four o'clock in the morning from partying. And so I said, you know, I know how to fix this. Christy's sister needed a roommate. She had just graduated high school and she was moving out and she had a place that had two bedrooms in it and she needed a roommate. She was in the crowd I was partying in. I'll go there to live in the, and as her roommate and then that way I can take a cab to party. That way I don't endanger losing my license because I got to have my license because I got to go to work. So I had all these thoughts in my mind. Met her. She was going to church. She was lost at the time too, but I won't throw her under the bus, you know. She's going to church and we were going to get married and the preacher, he wasn't going to marry two unbelievers. Had to go through counseling and you got to be a believer. Sign me up, Captain. What you want me to believe? Prayed another prayer with a preacher. Got baptized a couple weeks later. Went out that night and got drunk. And did what I wanted to do. But what happened August 1999? Wasn't like all them other times. Something changed. And I just want to tell you this, right? Just, just as you're hearing me. I don't care how many prayers you've prayed with a preacher. I don't care how many times you've prayed to God yourself. I don't care how much you've been to church. I don't care how many Sunday school pens you have. I don't care how many churches your name's on the roll of. It doesn't matter if your grandmama was Methodist, Presbyterian, Pentecostal, Baptist. Don't make no difference. If your life has not changed, you are not saved. If your life is not different, you are not saved. And the day that your life changed, the day that the aha moment happened, the day that the light bulb went off and you, it's like, oh, this is making sense now. I like to listen to preaching. I like to sing these songs. I love these people. I'm praying. I, I'm at peace with God. When that happened, that's when salvation happened in your life. And if your baptism is on the backside of that, and not on this side of it, then you need to be baptized. You see, you could be sitting in a church somewhere. My, I'll be baptizing my youngest daughter next Sunday. She's already been dunked here once when she was younger. But she didn't come down and pray a prayer with her daddy. The other Sunday after church, she was tore up from the floor up. And she said, I got saved. And she said she'd been struggling with it for a while. I just say all that to say that when I looked at that picture of the, the people there at that wedding, I remember when I went through that baptistry, but I also remember, I remember being the youth pastor there. And we had people start getting saved. And the gospel will do that. We had people start getting saved. And so it was time to baptize folks. And we went to get things ready for, the, for, for baptizing them. And there was old potted plants. 
and an old dead vacuum cleaner and all kind of stuff, dust and everything else in the baptistry. The heater didn't work, none of that stuff. That's a sad testimony. That's a sad testimony. Now I know that God works in seasons sometimes. Sometimes you'll go for a while and there won't be any, but I'm just telling you, while I was there, and I wasn't there, but I was probably there 12 to 13 months before God called me to ministry uh, to go prepare for the pastorate and stuff. We baptized 18 folks out of that youth, youth department. And we ain't done with this stuff yet. I just want to encourage you that if you want to see a life changed, you need to pray for them. Pray that God would change them. That's biblical. It says in Timothy that, that it's, God's not willing that any should perish, but that all that would come to repentance. And, and so you and I are to pray right alongside, believing that God can change somebody's life. How many in here know somebody right now that their life needs to be changed? Yeah? Pray for them. Turn them in every time there's an opportunity. Oh, we're going to turn in lost. Turn their names in. Nail them to a cross. Write them in some place in your Bible. Whatever, whatever you want to do to pray for them, you pray for them because we need to be about the kingdom work. And men, this morning, there's a great work to be done. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to Colossians chapter 3. God's good. Did you know that? I'm telling you right now, if you woke up this morning with a sound mind and an able body, you ought to praise Him for it. Colossians chapter 3. I want to read a few verses here. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. He says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. It says, When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Therefore, Put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passions, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger and wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth, and do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man." with his deeds, and have put on the new man, who is renewed in, the, in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Let's pray. Father, this morning, God, would you please take your word, and during this time, God, would you teach us, train us, Father. I'll speak to the men today, God, but you, your word is transcendent, I believe, to, in so many ways to all of us, men, women, boys, and girls. So we all have something to gain out of this today. Father, I pray for our government. I pray, Father, for the salvation of our leaders. No, no, um, and on both sides of the fence. Matter of fact, I pray for the fence itself. 
everything that divides us and everybody that's on every side of every line, God. Nothing will change it other than you arresting the hearts of those people, changing them. You can't legislate morality in a lost man without guns and without jails. But God, you can legislate morality within the heart of a changed life through the Holy Spirit of God. The reason we do right is because right has been done in us. And Father, I pray today, God, that you would be with Israel. I pray, Father, that you would forgive us of the atrocity of not standing up as the leaders of this country, saying that we'll stand with them, that we'll pray for them, that we're concerned about them. Because I know your word and your heart that if you'll stand with them, you'll be blessed. If you stand against them, those that stand against Israel will not be blessed. And so, Father, please forgive our leaders. And if we're not praying for them, forgive us. God, may you grow up a generation of men, godly men, godly women right here that believe that truth matters. And would you do it, God, for your glory in Christ's name. Amen. Last week I started by simply saying that women were not created to be everything for everyone. And the truth is, and I said it last week, nobody's created to be everybody for everyone. None of us. And so the first thing I want you to hear this morning is that men are not created to be everything for everybody. Now, I want to make a, a little statement here as we lead in. The Christian life is not something that you can do on your own. You and I, we can't live the Christian life. It's Christ that lives in and through us, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. But you and I must never bring the bar down to a level that seems achievable. And we must never take and, and undermine what God wants to do in our lives by saying, well, I'll never be this or I'll never be that. We'll be recognizing some graduates here in the next couple of weeks. Some of them may have skirted through a system that's made to lower the bar, but some of them have dug deep. Some of them have pushed on. And they, they set a bar for themselves that was higher than they could just easily reach. And so they, they, they reached, they stretched for that mark. God sets a mark for us that we could never reach in our strength. It is to be like Christ. And you say, I'll never be like Christ. I, how can I ever attain these things? Preacher, I hear what you say that God wants me to do, but I'll never be able to reach that. Don't you ever, ever, ever stop reaching. God never intended for us to give up. God did not empower us to be losers. Paul pressed on toward that higher calling, toward the upward call of Christ Jesus. And whatever you are finished with at the end of each day, if you know that, that you have done your best for God, you have reached the mark. 
God will finish this race one day. He will finish it. He will finish us. And it's going to be absolute perfection. But God wants us to push and to strive. Our school systems are full of bars that have been set and have been lowered and lowered and lowered just so that anybody can possibly get through. But if you do that, nobody has anything to strive for and to achieve. God's not lowering any standards. That's why you see the dilemma in our world today. Everybody's against Christ. Why? Because the standard is so high. And the only way that you'll ever get there is that you'll come through Christ. That's the only way that you're ever going to achieve what He wants you to achieve. And it's Him achieving it in you. It's not you doing it. And the world cannot stand God's law. Because it is unachievable in the natural man. But I'm not talking to natural people. I'm talking to God's people this morning. I'm not talking to just average everyday Joes when I'm talking to the men in here. I'm talking, I'm praying that I'm talking to born again children of the living God. Men, women, boys and girls. And if you're not saved, you can be today. But if you're a child of God, then God's not lowering the bar for you. If you're lost today, God's not lowering the bar for you either. He has a standard, He sets it, and it's there. In Genesis 2.18, it says that it's not good for man to be alone. God says, I'll make him a helper comparable to him. A help me. I think that's a true statement. Guys, would you agree with me? Not good that man should be alone. My wife's been uh, under the weather for a little bit, and I've been living on opposite ends of the house from her and, and stuff, and uh, she, she hadn't lost her sense of humor. I said, baby, is there anything I can do for you? She said, yes, I just need somebody to hold me and tell me everything's going to be okay. I said, well, as soon as we find that person, I will send them over here <laughs> while I'm spraying Lysol. <laughs> just stay back. <laughs> But after 28 years together, 27 married, it's different, man, when you live in life apart from your spouse. It's different. God designed us differently, but that we might accomplish a, a common goal. He made them both male and female. That's a good object lesson right there. Can I get a witness? He made them both what, church? Male and period. End of statement, done. We're finished, right? No confusion, right? And the only way I know that, it's not because, and I want you to hear my heart, if you can say that and all you can say that with is the way that you were raised from your traditions, then you're no better than anybody else. But if you say that because you know that God says this, and this is from His Word, then you can share the truth in love. And so men were created not to be everything for everybody, but here's one, the one thing I want you to understand today, guys. Men were created to lead. 
Now, I know that ladies can lead things, but I'm talking about where does the buck stop? At the end of the day, who is going to be responsible for the church and for the homes? It's us, guys. Men, God has called us to lead. Uh, as a matter of fact, let me take you to a text in Ephesians chapter 5. In Ephesians 5, I want you to listen to this, and I want to read a few verses here because I want you to hear the very last statement. In Ephesians chapter 5, I'm going to read verses 21 through 33. He says, Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands are to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak to you concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. There's no doubt what he's talking about here. But did you notice at the end it said, and so let the wife respect her own husband. I've come to learn something about respect. Respect is something that's very hard to demand on somebody. It's something that's earned. Now, we're talking about a perfect situation. Don't want you to miss this. Everybody's situation is not perfect. Can I get a witness? Everybody's situation is not perfect. But guys, there again, we're not bringing the bar down just so you can achieve a goal. I don't think there's anything wrong with picking one thing. That's what we've done this morning. I don't think there's anything wrong with picking one thing and going after that one thing. And when you achieve that, step on and keep growing. But nevertheless, we ought to be men that are respected. Not because we should be respected in who we are. We should be respected around the community. In the Old Testament, back in those days, the elders would sit around the city gates. And whenever there was a problem that come up, people would come to the elders. Why? Because they were respected. And the reason that they were respected is because they were God-fearing truthful, consistent people. And that's who we need to be. We need to step it up. It is time for us to get off our lazy rear ends and be the men that God called us to be. It is time for us to study our Bibles. It is time for us to quit making excuses. You say, I work all the time. Who don't that's worth anything? Who don't? I could sit here and play you a little sad sack song of my week and tell you just how hard my week's been. And things come into your life and you, they, they mess with you. They mess with your day. But guess what? Huh. 
Leading is not for the weary. Leading is not for the weary. And I'll say it one more time. Leading is not for the weary. Because if you're going to lead, it is not going to be about you. It's not going to be about me. It's a job. Some folks think that, you know, well, I tell you what, all I got to do is just read my Bible, love Jesus, got to work all this out. <laughs> God is working it out through you and through me. God constantly throughout His Word has given us things that we ought to do. He said, husbands, love your wives. Can I get a witness? That's a job. I ain't trying to knock on y'all ladies. I'm just saying. It's a job because it's not natural to a lot of the things that we want to do. My wife loves going out on the boat and riding. She don't like fishing too much. I have tried. I've tried to convince her that it's the greatest thing in this world. She don't think getting up at 430 in the morning is the greatest thing in this world. Can I get a witness? We're different. All of us are different. But see, our differences should not be a divide. When we realize that the truth is God wants us to do what He's called us to do and to lead regardless of what we want to do in our own pleasures. There's a place for everything, the Bible says. In its season and in moderation, there is a place for everything. But none of it ever takes precedence over what God wants us to do. I'm going to take you to Titus. Titus chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. Let me read these verses for you. Titus 1, 5 through 9. For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking, and appoint elders in every city as I command, command you. If a man is blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of uh, dissipation and insubordination, for a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. You say, but what's that got to do with me, preacher? I'm not an elder or a bishop. Why not? That's my question for you. Why are you not an elder, man? Do you know that we need elders in the church? Do you know that we need men that are godly, men of good reputation, that you can trust and, and consistently lean on, that we can send folks to? But see, this is where the mistake happens in church life. Well, we just wear the preacher out. Right? We'll just wear the preacher out because if anybody's got a problem, they can just go to him. And that is why the majority of churches that you see, that's one of the reasons, 
the majority of churches you see never grow past 150 people. Because one man cannot take care of but so many people. And, and, and I've surveyed pastors to find out. Maybe consistently 70 to 100 people. If you're Superman, you can rock it on up there to 150, but the thing is you won't last long, you'll burn out. But see, that's not the way God intended for the church to be. And do you see, all I'm trying to point out to you is God has a plan. God has a system set up. And the reason that we have such a deficit within church life is because we have so few people to choose from that we can actually appoint to things. Either they don't want to do it, or we can't let them do it. Y'all with me? You can't put somebody in over, overseeing people at the church that don't read their Bible. Right? That's somebody, not, and I ain't talking about just started reading their Bible last week neither. But guys, who is the baton going to be handed to? You see, we're at the place, the juncture in human history to where one of the main ways to change what's going on in our world, and you can't sit here and go, well, God's coming back, we'll just sit back and watch the fireworks show. No, that is not. We can't, can't, do, we can't live like, like, life like that. We still press on. We stick with the plan until the man that wrote the plan comes back and says, stop. Right? Amen? And the way we change this is the same way the enemy changed it on us. We disciple people. Except we disciple them with the truth and not with the lie. The enemy's been in our school systems since probably the, well, at least 60 years. At least. Indoctrinating them with socialist agendas and lies, anti-Christian stuff. They've been in there just infiltrating a little bit at a time. And now we're reaping the benefits of what's been taught. Why do kids go around disobeying their parents? Well, the Bible said they would. Haters of good things, disobedient to their own parents. Just read it. It's in there. And where did that come from? It come from the laying down of the standards. We laid them down in our schools. We laid them down in our homes. And one place that is trying to be laid down right now, and a lot of them have, is in the church house. But judgment, the Bible says, begins at the house of God. So if things are going to turn around and start, where are they going to start at? Right here. In other words, you and I, sitting in here today, can we change a society and change this world? You better believe we can. You better believe we can. You never know. We, I told you we had graduates coming up. You have no idea what those kids might do one day. Never, never. I have challenged. I ain't got nobody to accept yet, but I've been challenging. If there's a kid, young person, young adult that wants to go be everything for the glory of God, I just believe that we need to invest in that and give them a foundation. So I have said, if you're willing, I'll get a curriculum set up at Fruitland Baptist Bible College just for you. You go up there for at least one year, work that curriculum. 
You go on a mission trip at least one time out of this country so that you realize that the life you live is not the life that everybody else lives in this world because it will change you. Go on a mission trip in this country to realize that everywhere in this country ain't like where you live. And then from that point forward, you take the things that you've learned and you go out here and be the best you that God intended for you to be. Because, see, we can't give them everything in the time that we have them here that they can give them in an intense program. And it's just about reaching a little further. I had them question me. Yeah, but if we do that, man, we, go, we might lose some, uh, some grants and stuff like that. And my response to that is, if you'll follow God's will in your life, you won't need grants. God will provide your way. And he might provide through grants, but you don't have to be dependent God help us. You don't have to be dependent on some crooked government to get you by. My God's never failed us. If it comes down to growing a garden in your yard, thank God for the garden that you've got. We're not bowing before anybody that holds our hand out in front of us saying, you come and follow us and we'll take care of you. I already have a Savior. His name's Jesus Christ. Yeah, give him praise. He's worthy of it. He's worthy of it. We must know, guys, why we're leading. We have to know why. It is not just for any little haphazard reason. We are leading for the glory of God, that the word of God would not be blasphemed or shamed. You need to know why you're leading you need to know, too, that it's not just about intellect. There are men out there, guys, gals, too. It's not just about intellect. Some of you have some great knowledge of the Bible. May I applaud you. My question to you is, what are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? James 4.17 says, Therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it, it is sin. Did you know that we're guilty if we sit back and approve of people who do wrong? That's what the Bible says. Not only those who do the wrong, but those who approve of those who do the wrong. Those faint of heart may be unsure of their identity. I, think that, I, I do think that guys and gals, we, we both suffer at times to some degree or another of an identity crisis. I thought I knew who I was before I met Jesus. And then I thought I knew who I was after I met Jesus. I had even graduated from Bible college. Oh, yes, I know but the statement was more like, I know what I want to be. But you can't ever be who you want to be until you realize who you are. You're just dreaming. You have to be grounded. you know why? Because one day you may have to stand alone. See, there's a lot of difference when you're in a big crowd. You know, I know, I know how it is. 
I, I remember that little fella that come up to me with all five of his buddies and them baseball bats had me pinned up against the side of my truck. And he was rattling off in my face and he was so big and bad till I caught him without his buddies. And it changed a lot. <laughs> Everything started changing. See, when you ain't got your peers around you, when you don't have people cheering you on, will you do right when there's nobody but you? Nobody's watching. Nah, nobody's going to see it. Nobody's going to know the decision that you made. Nobody but God. You see, when the pressure gets put on it, in, in leading, and especially in the day that we live in, it's intense. My life in everyday, my everyday life, and yours probably too, if you're a leader, would be a lot easier for that day if you just went along with the flow. It would. Come on, think about it. Uh, they, there's men in this church right here that have quit jobs because people wanted them to do crooked things. Can I get a witness? Oh, and God deserves the glory for that. That's integrity. Yeah, but they got a, uh, they got a family to support. No, 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 no. See, we miss it. My identity is not me supporting my family as much as it is God is the one I'm entrusting it with. And if I'll stick with his truth, see, my responsibility is the truth. My responsibility is lead my family, that, that I, I love my wife as Christ loved the church. He, 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 he disciples her in the Word of God. That's my job. My job is to do what's right every single day of the week, and that's your job too, to do what's right. And then God, as a matter of fact, I'll, I'll get to it in just a second. Second Timothy, as a matter of fact, Second Timothy um, Let's see here. So, well, 2 Timothy talks about stirring up the gift that is in you. Right? Stir up the gift that is in you, um, that you uh, have not been given a spirit of fear, but of a sound mind. Right? And power in Him. Now, now, now what I want you to understand about that is that you can't, that God has put inside of you. I'm not going to go to the text. But I'm just going to give it to you. That God has put a fire within you if you're his child. The Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. And he's saying to stir up that fire that's already in. You can't create the fire. God's the one that creates the fire. Because you can't fan a fake fire. Can I get a witness? You know, you, you, you're you not going to do no good fanning on one of these little fake flames that we have. I, I've got one. You know, I, my TV sits on a little mantle thing. It's got one of them fireplace deals in it and all. It comes on and there's a little light show that goes on inside that thing. And, and you can run it without the heat, right? It's funny to watch the grandbabies sometimes. They'll go over, oh, it's hot, and it really ain't. It's just Nana wants to drink her coffee and look at the fire. But you can go over there and fan it all you want to. You won't stir it up. See, God, and what it is, it is the truth of God's Word that you are fanning the flame with. And so God says, stir these things up. Did you know that kingdom work needs men that are consistent? 
Kingdom work needs men that are consistent. Uh, if, you're, if you're faint of heart, you need to have an identity. That identity has got to be found in Jesus Christ, not in anybody else. And you've got to live a life that is consistent. If you're going to lead, you're going to be respected, you've got to live a life that is consistent. Um, that means you surrender to, to the knowledge that you have, have gained by studying the Scriptures. I want to go to Matthew. Well, Matthew 5.37 says simply this, Let your yes be yes, and your no be no. As a matter of fact, he was contradicting them. They was always wanting to give a, a, a little extra something on top of what they were saying. You know, i tell you what, man, I promise you by Marvin Moose's uh, account that I'm going to do what I say I need to do. I promise you by, the, uh, by Chestnut Ridge itself, I'm going to... No. And, 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 and Jesus says, if you'll just let your yes be yes, let your no be no, you don't have to do all that. Y'all remember saying, boy, I just miss the days when a man's word was good enough. Y'all quiet on me in here. Got, got any old timers that can say that? I just miss the days when somebody, t when they told me what they was going to do, they'd do it. Can I get a witness? You didn't need contracts. You didn't need lawyers and all that stuff. How far are you going to trust a man today? You know why? Because they're not godly men. I'll put you some earnest money up. Promise you I'm going to be back. You don't have to do that kind of stuff with people that you can trust. And if you can't trust them with simple things like that, why in the world would you trust them with your eternity? Why in the world would anybody, if they can't trust you with the regular things in life, why in the world would they trust you with anything else? There's nothing special about me. As a matter of fact, I, I just sit there and I go, you know, it is but by the grace of God that I am who I am. Man, I'm so thankful that God changed me. I'm so thankful that God has empowered me. I'm so thankful that God uses me. It overwhelms me to think about how good God's been to me. And I've come to find out that a lot of people don't like the truth. I had somebody, I'm not going into the details of, of what happened in the courtroom, but I had somebody tell me, I want you to come in and testify on my behalf. I said, no, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. They said, oh, yes, I do. I said, no, you don't. Well, will you come? I said, nope. <laughs> so, well, I'll subpoena you. I said, that'll be your mistake. You, I mean, I'll have to go, but that'll be your mistake. Well, why, why don't you want to be there? I said, it ain't that I don't necessarily want to be. I don't want to be there, but you don't want me there. Why? Because I'm going to come in, I'm going to tell the truth. Well, that's what we want. No, 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 no. You want your version of the truth. You want your side of the truth. But you don't want the whole truth. I'm not doing Jack Nicholson, so. You, <laughs> you don't want that. In, you don't, and, and you know what's amazing? You get people that are having conflict. 
greatest thing you can do. Sit them down in a room together. It's amazing how things change. Amazing how stories change. I've learned one thing. I don't get in between husbands and wives when they're fighting. Because both of them will flush you down the toilet. And then after it's over with, you standing there soaking wet, and they're going, they're back together. And you're the one that's wrong. And the reason being is because they never were dealing with the truth altogether. They just wanted to get through an issue. But they don't want the truth. How would you like the truth of your heart? Played right up there. Hmm? Your thought life and all that. Right up, just right up there. For everybody. We'll invite your mama and your grandmama and uh, your first grade teacher. And we'll just invite everybody. We'll get, you know, we'll get everybody here and we'll just play it up there. Let me, let me leave you with this one right here. Because this, this is, I just want to encourage you to see, this isn't the whole plant. This isn't every, I want you to understand. This is just an overview, an aerial of the whole picture. Doing this, that's a lifetime of discipleship. So I can't in one, time, one sitting sit here and tell you all the nuts and bolts of all this. I just want to see if I can stir something up inside of you with the Word of God. Did you know that the reward for doing right should thrill a godly man? The reward for doing right should thrill a godly man. Now, when I look in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, I know he's speaking to young Timothy, a uh, 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 little young preacher. I get that. But I think these words ought to go for all of us. As a matter of fact, man, our, our goal ought to be that we would be leaders in, in church and in our homes, that we would lead the way. And I know this much. If you'll put a godly man in leadership, godly ladies don't hate it. They don't. They want you to lead. They really do. They want you to take the reins. They want you to, to bear the burden of the leadership. Now, they're going to be right there with you. A help me. Uh, 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 that, you know, uh, somebody to walk right on by your side. I, I am thankful for the ladies in this church. I'm thankful for my wife. I'm a firm believer in this. That very few ladies really and truly want to run to the front lines of a battle. down deep in their heart. Listen to Hebrews 11, verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You've heard that verse a lot this year. But think about that. Without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Sounds like there is something uh, uh, that we have a responsibility on our part. I know God empowers the faith. I know God's doing it all. But nevertheless, we still are working it out. 
and then he's going to make good on his. You don't, need a, you don't need a contract with him. You don't need a lawyer. You don't need earnest money. Why? Because God has never stopped being good. And he won't. He's not a liar. As a matter of fact, there's no lie in him. He's good. And he'll be good to you. Thank you for listening today. Pastor Greg wants to share with you how the gospel changed his life and how it can change yours too. You know, Tim, it was the gospel that saved me. I'll never forget when Ray Elder came into my life, uh, God put him there and he shared the truth of the gospel with me, that I was a sinner, that Christ died for my sins, and that if I would accept him as the Lord of my life and follow him, that he would change my life. And that's exactly what he's done. I wonder if that's something that you would like to do today, that you would today before God just admit, you know, God, I'm a sinner, I'm lost, and I need you. And God, I believe that Christ died on the cross for me, and I want to accept his payment today for, for my sins, and I want to live for him from this point forward. If you pray that prayer today, we want to welcome you into the family of God. We also want to encourage you to contact us. You'll find a link below where you can reach us. And so we look forward to hearing from you. so much that he gave his son for us. Amen. God bless you guys.